This is a trigger warning that the following podcast talks about eating disorders. If this affects you, please see the show notes for resources. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And the best day has arrived, recording podcast day. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Today's episode is going to be all about eating disorder myths and their truths because there are so many things that I thought to be true about eating disorders before I had it and then whilst I had it as well. And there's a lot of things that I also just tried to avoid knowing the truth of because I was I was scared of really hearing the truth because deep down I knew that it was the truth and these things are dangerous for me. So I thought I would gather along quite a few myths about eating disorders and their facts just to spread the wisdom and the knowledge because these are all myths that people actually believe. So we've got to spread that wisdom. Also, thank you to everyone that has so far sent in their eating disorder stories. This will be for the upcoming Listener Stories episode because when we all share our stories, We feel less alone and we feel heard and we feel supported. It will also help everyone have a better insight on the fact that we can all have an eating disorder, but our origin stories and our struggle stories won't all be the same. So, although they're not the same, the great thing is that we can all come together and feel supported by one another. We have all struggled with something and we are trying to overcome it or at least hopefully trying to overcome it, and maybe hearing these stories will bring even more inspiration and encouragement for you to recover. And knowledge is power. So we've got all of these points today about the myths and the actual facts, and then soon we'll just know even more about everyone's experiences. So get excited! By the way, some of you already did this, but you can also forward your eating disorder stories to my Instagram or my Discord as well. These are all listed in the show notes to make it easier for you, so get on it. Okay, so for what I'm proud of myself for this week, I made my beautiful loving grandparents jajangmyeon, which is one of my favorite Korean meals and they always used to make it for me when I was little. And yes, so they're Korean, so I thought it would be nice to make it from scratch, which I did, and it was delicious. And as they said to me, it was mashaseyo. <laughs> if you're Korean, don't come for me because I unfortunately do not speak Korean. So my pronunciation is probably not the best, as you can tell. But I I can definitely eat like a Korean, so we'll take that as a win. I would really love to learn how to speak Korean one day, so stay tuned for that masterpiece. Anyways, so yes, I made them some Korean food. I got my kimchi, of course. Who doesn't love kimchi? If you haven't had jajangmyeon, you're missing out. And what are you waiting for? Go have it. You can get uh, packeted ones at 
most Asian grocery stores. My favorite brand is the Japagetti. Go find it and go live it. You are welcome in advance. Anyways, it was just, I was really happy that I could make it from scratch. I wanted to do something nice for them and they seemed to really enjoy it, which is what I was hoping for. And I'm always up for a new challenge and actually it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be to make jajangmyeon. And my sister is vegetarian, so I made hers meat-free and everyone was happy. It was great. So it's always fun to learn and try new things, which is why I am proud of myself for making jajangmyeon from scratch. I would have, um, okay, okay, to be fair, I didn't make the noodles from scratch, but we do what we can. I tried to make noodles once before without a noodle maker, like, you know, the machine. And, oh my gosh, they were chunky and they were horrible. And I need to go purchase a noodle machine before I take that challenge again. But we'll get there. It's all about trying. You think about what you can improve on for next time and you do it. And that's the best part. Trying and then learning and improving. So that was my proud of for this week. What is yours? And with all that said, let's get into the episode. So, all about the myths versus facts about eating disorders. Now, point number one is that eating disorders are a lifestyle choice and they are not serious. I think we can all agree that that's a hell no, but people really do think this. Which is why it was so hard for me to share about what I was going through. It's, a, it's such a scary topic to talk about because no one even that hasn't really experienced it understands it. So I'm sure you may feel the same as well. Like besides all the reasons of, you know, being afraid to let go of the eating disorder because of the quote unquote control and re- quote unquote relief that you get from vomiting or whatever the eating disorder may be, that makes you feel that sort of relief and control is not relief and control. If anything, it's just temporary relief. But like we're afraid to talk about it because no one understands it and what would opening up and expressing it to people that would only assume that it's just a a lifestyle choice really help it bottled me up that's for sure so to those that think eating disorders aren't serious that is incorrect because your quality of life is affected when you have one so this is a reminder that eating disorders are serious and it's not just about vanity no it's a it's the dissatisfaction that we have with ourselves and our bodies, but not just because of our bodies. It is more than just being dissatisfied with our body. It is also about being unhappy with our life and ourselves. Eating disorders are a concern. They're a mental illness and they do affect a lot of the organs in our bodies and and can lead to a lot of medical complications. It's not just someone being dissatisfied just purely with their body. That is definitely a part of it, but it's not it's not a diet that has just gone out of hand a diet that's become too serious and too strict no it is it comes down to how how the person sees themselves eating disorders are serious mental illnesses that involve a lot of psychological distress and so many medical complications from it it is not a lifestyle choice and no it is not a diet that has just gone too far it comes down to a lot of Uh, mentality and how a person processes their thoughts and emotions and they have difficulty managing these thoughts just being in a very anxious and unhappy place with their life and their self so it leads to these behaviors around food and exercise and their body image 
So if you are struggling with an eating disorder and you fear telling someone because people seem to think that eating disorders aren't a big deal, well, they're wrong. Tell someone that you know actually cares for you and wants to support you. Whether or not they fully understand about eating disorders, they should be there for you no matter what. And what you are going through is something to care about. It is not something that should be overlooked. Your health and your happiness is so important and don't please don't feel like you can't tell anyone because there's this ridiculous idea that eating disorders are just not a big concern. It's not true. Number two is that eating disorders are people seeking attention. Get fucked. No, it's not. If this is the attitude that someone has, if you are trying to ask them for help or maybe you're expressing how you feel, then tell them to go get a heart. Please and thank you. You heard it here first. The ironic thing is, is that people think that eating disorders are a cry for attention. But to be frank, a lot of people try to hide their eating disorders. People are hiding it out of fear of having to lose the eating disorder and not being able to get that sense of relief and control as I was just talking about. So for people to believe that it's just a phase and you'll snap out of it is very inconsiderate and also not true. And the longer you have an eating disorder, the harder it becomes to get rid of it. You become reliant on it because it's just between you and the eating disorder, especially if you haven't told anyone at this stage. So no, to say that eating disorders are a cry for attention is mean and cruel and not true. I hope people aren't making you feel this way, by the way. But people do believe that that you're doing this for a cry for attention. What the fuck? I mean, maybe you're asking for help as a cry for help because you want to get better and just have someone understand what you're going through and like just be able to feel less alone and have some support and reassurance, that's fine. That's a good thing. You are trying to get help or you're at least trying to express how you feel. That is not seeking attention. And if someone's just going to tell you that, oh, just just stop eating so much food, like, why, why are you doing this, huh? You know, with a really, like, cruel kind of attitude behind it. All I can say to you is get a grip. Seriously. So, yes, eating disorders are known. In most scenarios, uh, like with the media and stuff, eating disorders are like the majority of it is portrayed in a good way. Like you just see the results happen. They get skinny and they're happy that they're skinny. Right. So for the people that don't know or haven't experienced eating disorders, maybe that's why they assume that it's just a, a cry for attention. Not true. Because, like, it's displayed in more cases than none as a good thing. I thought that bulimia was going to be this lifesaver for me and help me be skinnier. But no, it destroyed so many things in my life. It destroyed how I saw myself even more. My self-love just said, see ya. And my body, it was in so much pain. I was so unhealthy and so unhappy. And, and they don't really show that side to it. Yes, they do briefly, but not enough that it doesn't outweigh what benefits came out of the vomiting. The point I'm trying to make here is that people may hear about it and maybe invest in it and maybe try it, but you don't do those things like the binging and the purging if you don't have some prior kind of unhappy feelings. Like it's not just 
a new habit that someone wants to pick up on. Like it's not like starting a sport or something like that. This is something that is coming out of result of being unhappy with themselves and not just their body, but their mental side as well. Yes, it is true that eating disorders are kind of like they're known worldwide, but not as they're not as much known as how to treat it or why you shouldn't be doing it. They're just known. Like, as I said, with, you know, Pretty Little Lies and all these other shows and movies and just the media. And if they are asking for help or maybe they they say that they have an eating disorder, but they're not directly asking for help. Even if they just say that they have an eating disorder, first of all, that is very brave and very hard. So if someone is taking that as a as a cry for attention, oh my gosh, no, we are not hurting ourselves for attention Sometimes it is even harder to actually say the words, I need help. So if someone is even saying at all that, you know, they're acknowledging that they have an eating disorder, that is very courageous and it shouldn't be taken as wanting attention. My gosh. So if you know that someone has an eating disorder and they've openly told you about it or just, you know, confided in you, like take that as a compliment. They feel enough trust for you to share something that is so vulnerable and difficult to talk about and maybe they haven't told you directly but or you know whoever but if they can say aloud or share aloud that they have an eating disorder that is very brave and they are trying to get help or at least be acknowledged for struggling and just like it is hard to ask for those words like I need help so if they're sharing it at all that is still them trying to get that help in a more indirect way. So to take it as attention is ridiculous. Please rethink your life. Our number three myth is that eating disorders only affects adolescent females. Yes, the peak of eating disorders beginning are around in adolescent ages, like between 12 and 25. The median is around 18 years old with women. But this doesn't mean that it doesn't affect so many other people. It happens to people of all ages, from children all the way up to your elderly stage. It happens to both women and, 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 and men. It is not just a female thing. It happens all across different socioeconomical and cultural backgrounds. And in addition to women and adolescents that are considered at high risk of developing an eating disorder, there is also a few other categories of people that could get it. So this includes people who engage in particular sports like dancing, modeling, gymnastics, athletics, and rowing. And then eating disorders are also at higher risk of being developed for people that have stress, high levels of stress, people who have other mental illnesses such as anxiety or depression, people who have other physical illnesses such as diabetes and polycystic ovary syndrome. So people aren't wrong when they assume that women between these ages are more likely to develop an eating disorders because yes it is common especially when they're going through key transitional periods in their lives like going from school to adult life. However, that doesn't mean that eating disorders only affect women between these periods. So the point is that eating disorders are not limited to any group of people. Yes, there may be people that are at a higher risk, but that does not mean that eating disorders should be considered irrelevant or unjustified for other people. Everyone deserves to feel heard and supported. Everyone. 
Point number four is that once you have an eating disorder, you will never get better. This is obviously not true and I hope that many of you listening are a living proof of this. And if you haven't started recovering yet, then know that this is a big fat lie and that you can recover and you can heal. Recovery is definitely possible and it comes down to growing self-love. And yes, it will be challenging, but it is so, so worth it. And I know that you can do it, even if you don't see that right now. Point number five is something that I recently talked about in the previous episode, and it's the fact that people who are an average size or overweight cannot have an eating disorder. This is the myth, because it is certainly not true. So yes, eating disorders like anorexia are considered to be when you are very underweight. But eating disorders like bulimia, for example, and binge eating disorders, they're not they're not detected based on size specifically. As a fact, people with bulimia tend to be an average or above average weight. Like I lost a shit ton of weight when I first started, but then it started, my weight started fluctuating heaps. And so it really just, it changes. And trust me, being to the skinny point that I got to was not worth it at all. So eating disorders are not just about what size or weight you are. It is about how you feel about yourself mentally, mentally. The mental health side of an eating disorder is huge. If anything, it is even more than just how you how you see your body. It really comes down to self-love. It truly does because the, the lower your self-love, the less respect and self-worth that you feel, which then ties into how you see your body. And if you don't have any self-love, you're going to put yourself down for what you look like. And then that leads to self-harming acts. So it is a lie that eating disorders are determined based on your size and that you must be so skinny. No, no, no. Myth number six is that dieting is just a completely normal part of life. This is because a very vast amount of people that have an eating disorder have engaged in dieting and disordered eating, or both. Considering how you do it, of course, and your motives behind it, yes, it can be okay, but This is when it kind of comes down to, again, how the individual is seeing themselves and their reasons behind doing things. Like with the example with the media, when I was struggling with my body image and my self-image, seeing how people became skinny by binging and purging or just starving themselves, it meant something to me because I saw what effects it did to them. It made them skinny. So it motivated me to try all of these unhealthy hacks, quote-unquote hacks, Um, to make me skinny because I was just so unhappy with what I looked like and I didn't know how to become healthy and look and feel good in a healthy way. So you can narrow this down to when it comes to dieting as well. If someone is dieting for a fit and healthy lifestyle, I'll get into this very shortly, it is okay. But if people are dieting in a way to almost starve themselves or just restrict themselves so harshly to get to this skinny figure then that is where the problem begins. And unhealthy dieting can lead to significant mental and physical consequences. And did you know that dieting is actually linked with depression and anxiety? And the Inside Out Institute suggests that dieting is the single biggest predictor for the development of an eating disorder. So when I decided to try to recover, I avoided the word and the practice of dieting. I tried, but it was so unhelpful. It set this unrealistic expectation in myself to 
eat such a small, small amount when I'm trying not to vomit, which was hard enough. So yes, of course I did try to control my binge eating and you can listen to the binge eating, stopping binge eating podcast episode number two. However, with dieting, it did set an unsustainable goal for me to battle all of these unhealthy thoughts that I had in my head telling me that, you know, I shouldn't try to stop binge eating because look what happens. Like I did try to diet at a stage and when I realized that it wasn't helping me because I had to not only focus on not vomiting in the first place, but I also had to now have like literally three, 10 times smaller the amount of food that I was eating because obviously I felt uncomfortable having any food in me but if I set this diet expectation for me and I didn't follow through with it because it was so unusual for me then I would feel even more guilty about eating at all and that's when my eating disorder would overpower my recovery thoughts and tell me this is why we binge and then we purge because you can take it out without any quote-unquote consequences which is obviously not true because I had so many heart and stomach pains, body pains, and self-worth was out the window. So what I did instead was focus on purely stopping the vomiting because that was the most important thing, to stop damaging my body. And feeding myself food is giving myself and my body and my mind nutrition, and that's a good thing. So if later down the track you've, you've recovered and you're in a better place mentally, then sure, try to go on a diet better yet call it a lifestyle choice I want to eat healthier I think I talked about this in the previous episode just about not setting temporary goals so don't just start a diet to look good for one party but you know you want to lose all this weight to fit in this pretty dress love it no you want to go on a diet if you want to call it a diet I want to call it a lifestyle choice cool Um, for the rest of your life to sustain and live a happy and healthy life where you feel good and part of that will come down to you know what you eat and how you exercise and just look after yourself but you're not just doing it for your figure because it should be about how it makes you feel as well and I'm sure that looking good will make you feel good of course but it should have a deeper meaning than that and That's why I try to look at more long-term goals than just a short-term goal, which is where I put in the whole example about looking good just for a particular party that's coming up. Because you want to keep on having those good habits that you have. So if you diet, you know, you just restrict so much food for a period of time to get to this party, then what? Are you going to keep doing that? Because I'm sure you just put yourself through a lot of pain and trouble and bad times just to have this absolutely perfect figure for this one thing but if you have a balanced lifestyle so where you still you know you enjoy eating what you do uh you have appropriate portions and you exercise and you're doing all of these things in variations and forms that you like so this is why i think it's really important to try to find an exercise that you like to do as well experiment go around i told you how i just did Uh, Muay Thai for the first time the other week it's about finding what's going to keep you going not just force yourself to have a shit time for a period of time for a specific event you want to look more long-term and lifestyle rather than just have a temporary shit time for a temporary feeling when you get to that 
specific date or you know event that you wanted to look good for why make it just a specific date why not make it your whole life that you get to feel like this and you keep getting to work up to it and build up to it and feel good in the process not just feel shit to get to this one thing keep it going forever and you can do this by finding what works for you and what makes you feel good and not just having a specific date or you know event as I've been saying in mind have it as a lifestyle so with a diet you can say that I like eating this amount because I feel not too full and sickly after and I also enjoy what I'm eating I'm not feeling like I have to restrict and feel shit if I eat this extra amount it's about finding that sweet spot where you're not feeling guilty for eating too much and you're not feeling full and sickly and you're also not starving yourself either and you can find this sweet spot by experimenting with yourself almost by like trying to eat a specific amount if that makes you too hungry afterwards straight after you eat then maybe you can add a bit more and maybe if that bit is that bit extra that you added is still too much then add a bit less find out what works for you and that takes time and process and a very conscious effort in doing so i just think it's very important not to have a temporary goal for it you know like i always say with the vomiting you get a temporary relief we're not looking for temporaries here we're looking for a long term a a happy and healthy version of yourself that and of course yes we're going to have our down days where you know maybe we're feeling anxious today whatever but at the end of the day you are working for a lifestyle of good not a temporary good yeah yeah don't set unrealistic unsustainable goals for yourself especially if you are trying to recover because you already are battling such a voice inside your head that is saying this is why we binge and we purge because you can't handle having anything in you and you can't even do it right because you're not dieting like no that's not how it works at all so ignore that voice tell that voice to scram This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Now for our lovely myth number seven. This is for us fellow binge and purges. <laughs> that binge eating means that you are weak. This is literally a myth that people think, like as a fact. It is not a fact, it is a myth. I mean, technically, it makes your body weak, but I don't think that's the intention that they have behind saying that you're weak. It's like, what, you can't control how much you eat? I mean, no. For me, I had convinced myself that I couldn't. However, to say that someone's weak because they are struggling is really just cruel. And I hope people aren't saying stuff to you like that, that is making you close up and hide your eating disorder and not share it with anyone because you're being told that you're weak no you were going through a hard time and seriously one of the biggest ways to heal is to tell someone how you feel to talk about it so if they're saying that you're weak body wise yeah that may be true because you were in a bad place and like I certainly felt weak a lot of the time but if they mean like mentally weak that you know oh you just you're so weak you can't even control how much you eat so you purge it all up like Fuck off, seriously. Have a heart, please. It comes down to a lack of control, yes, but it's it's like a, a lack of control in life and just seriously, all about the self-love. If you don't have it, you think that this is the way to become skinnier and to have this little escape that no one knows about by doing all the binging and the purging and thinking that there are no consequences, which isn't the case because we become physically weak and we also just lose our self-love. And hey, if you are at a stage where you are starting to realize that this is affecting you in your life, the binging and the purging or whatever eating disorder it is, that is true strength. You realize that something has changed in your life. To the beautiful girl that sent me her messages about her realizing everything that has changed in her life. Oh my gosh, how proud I am. If you can look back at your life and see from when you started your eating disorder until now, what you have lost and what have you gained? I mean, maybe you're a bit smaller, but so what? It is not worth it compared to being in such a negative mental place. It is not worth it. And maybe you're not at a stage yet where you, I guess, uh, agree with me with that but I hope that the more that you listen to my podcasts the more that you start believing in yourself I am so so proud that you can reflect on what has happened and know that this is no longer something that you want to have and yes those feelings about still being you know undecided whether or not you want to vomit or not because of being 
a smaller size is still there. That is, that's, that's how I felt. But remind yourself every time this comes up of what you've realized you've lost. Are you more angry as a person? Are you more moody? Are you more reactive to things? Are you more anxious? <laughs> anxiety. The heightened anxiety. Oh my gosh. Go away. And this all has to do with eating disorders. And maybe there's other things in your life as well that is making your anxiety heightened as well. But reflect on everything. See, try to find that trigger point of what it is that is causing you this anxiety and this unhappiness, this guilt. Get rid of it and keep bettering yourself. There could be more than one place in your life that is making your anxiety really heightened and just making you feel so miserable and so unsure of yourself and your life. Ask yourself, are you thinking with your imagination? Is this actually your reality? Find out what it is and where it is in your life that is making everything so anxious and unhappy for you. Once you are able to self-reflect and acknowledge what it is that needs to be changed, then you work on the how. How are you going to change this? A lot of it comes down to self-love again. But once you are able to actually reflect and acknowledge where it is in your life that needs to be changed, that's when something can be done about it. Take responsibility and take action. So to the amazing person that was able to reflect on all of these things and be able to say that, yes, I am still at a stage where I do want to vomit, but now I also don't want to vomit. Oh my God, that's amazing. That is like, you're heading there. First of all, like you're telling someone about it. So that is wonderful. So, so proud. I hope you are all on the other end listening, cheering about this as well. You told someone and you also have identified what has changed and now you want to do something about it, even if it's still a bit of a up in the air kind of thing. And and by the sounds of it, it wasn't even an up in the air. It was like, I know I want to change, but yes, I still have those voices inside of my head telling me to keep vomiting. Well, you are stronger than those voices. And every time that you step out of your comfort zone, you are sharing how you feel and you try to do something about it or even just try to seek more knowledge about it. You were a step closer to self-love, a step closer to recovery and a step closer to a happier and healthier life. So I love that you wanted to take notes from all the episode that made me so happy because they are literally everything that helped me. And of course, I'll be sharing more, but you were being so incredibly brave and I hope you keep it up. Seriously, so much love and happiness to you. So yes, to those that are saying that having bulimia means you're weak. You were wrong. Look at all this strength that is happening. People go through shit. People make mistakes. People go into bad places in their lives. What matters is what you do about it, how you react, how you were able to reflect on what has happened. Self-reflection is also such a big thing. Take responsibility, take ownership and decide who you want to be and where your strength lies. And every time you step out of your comfort zone and do something to better yourself, you are becoming stronger and more powerful. And who knows how far you'll go if you keep it up. You are unstoppable. Start believing it. Myth number eight is that eating disorders are just about food. I think we can all agree that that's a hell to the no. Yes, eating disorders have things to do with how much you eat, the the calories that you have, your weight or body shape which of course have things to do with food and how much you are consuming. However, as we have talked about, 
it does come down to the mental side of things and how you actually see yourself, not just by your body, but but for who you are and how much self-worth and self-love that you have and self-belief. So when it comes to restricting the amount of food or, you know, the binging and the purging or over-exercising even, it comes down to, yes, the self-love, yes, how you see yourself, but also wanting to have some sort of control in your life. Maybe you've realized that you have such a lack of control all over your life. So you figure that you can get that from binging and purging or restricting the amount of food that you have. But as you do this, you gain this control, this sense of control, I should say. You start losing that self-love that you had or that little bit of self-love that you had. You start losing any sense of love for your body and what you look like because you start relying on having this quote-unquote control. So because people think that eating disorders are specifically just about food, then you get the comments like, oh, you should just eat more or just, just eat less. Or why don't you just start eating healthier? Well, you seem to eat a lot of this type of food, maybe just cut it out. No, you cut it out. That is not helpful and cut the shit. Maybe they have the best interests. And once again, maybe they just don't understand eating disorders. So not their fault if they truly do have good intentions. But comments like this, they, they, they don't help any sort of healing and they don't help any anyone really because... It's not just about food, it is deeper than that. It is about how you see yourself as a whole. Yes, your body image, but yes, also your internal. Like maybe you just think the worst of yourself and you're like, fuck, I have no control in my life. I have no love in my life. I just see myself as scum, I don't know. And the only way that I feel a a temporary, temporary relief is by restricting how much I eat or binging and then purging because I feel that relief just for a little bit when I do that. But there is other ways to find control. I found that I found the true control when I stopped the binge eating and began my recovery journey to be rid the eating disorder. That's when I found true control because I reflected on my life. I acknowledged everything that needs to be changed and then I started working on how I can do that. And if you make these non-negotiables in your life, for example, you know, the meditating every day, you make that a non-negotiable because you know that this is something that brings you joy and self-love, then yes, you're controlling that. You are making sure that this is something that you do and maybe you're not feeling it that day, but you're still controlling the outcome because you were doing these things to benefit yourself and your life. So self-reflection is our best friend over here. Myth number nine, eating disorders are caused by the media. Wrong. So yes, I have said that I found out about eating disorders through pretty little lies and stuff like that. However, they did not sit with me at the toilet and force me to vomit, did they? So yes, there are so many references to eating disorders online, in the media, in movies and films. However, there is a large amount of people that are still watching these shows and these movies and reading these articles and they don't develop an eating disorder, which is when it comes back down to the person themselves and their self-love and how they're seeing themselves for their size and themselves as a whole. So yes, the media can portray this way that you are supposed to look and impact how a person feels about their looks, but they aren't responsible for an eating disorder 
starting because that once again comes down to how the individual sees themselves because for those that are in a I guess a better headspace they can watch these things and be unaffected by it. So most definitely yes I've said that the media brought to my attention about an eating disorder Uh, but if I wasn't in a bad headspace and I didn't see myself in certain ways it wouldn't have affected me like it did. So although I became exposed to it it's not the media's fault. It came down to how I saw myself and the fact that I had no self-love. So yes, 100% influences play such a big role in the things that we do. But it also comes down to our character and how we feel about ourselves and things that kind of align with the way that we're thinking. Like, for example, I don't watch murder documentaries. I don't really watch murder documentaries anyways, but sometimes I do. Anyways, we're missing the point here. Ali is on a tangent. I do not go and watch a murder documentary, for example, and then start planning up my next murder mystery for myself. I do not plan how I'm going to attack someone. That is not how it works. So you can use that as a, an exaggerated example of when we see stuff about eating disorders. People that don't correlate with what is being shown in some sort of way will not take effect with what we see. And we are exposed to so many different things all over the media, not just to do with eating disorders, every topic, so many topics. And so, yes, I was influenced by Pretty Little Liars and all of the shows, like even I was watching um, Devil Wears Prada the other day and one of the characters got so thin because she was starving herself. And I used to watch stuff like that back in the day as well. And you can watch these things and get inspiration because you think that like you look at their figure and you're like wow that's what I'm hoping to get and I'm not there and so you use what you know from what you see as an example of what to do even if it's not beneficial and it's not healthy for you. So if you are in a vulnerable place in your life where you're just unhappy with how you look you will see these things and want to be that. I wanted to be thin, I wanted to gain that confidence like Hannah did in Pretty Little Lies when she lost all this weight. I wanted to feel good about myself. I wanted to see my body get skinnier in a short amount of time. And so it really came down to me and the lack of belief that I had in myself at the time about how I could become healthier and the lack of self-love that I had that all I cared about was becoming skinnier that I followed what I saw. So we have inspirations and influences everywhere. It's not just the media. And that's why I don't blame the media for having an eating disorder. I saw things on the media, yes, but we see these things everywhere. And I had the control whether or not I wanted to start vomiting and hurting myself. And I didn't have enough self-love to care otherwise about the side effects that would happen if I did vomit. So as easy as it would be to say, it's your fault, media, it had a lot more to do with how I was feeling about myself. And that is why self-love is so important. Myth number 10 is that if someone has an eating disorder and they're not ready to recover, there's nothing that can be done. Wrong again. Maybe they're afraid of recovering. Maybe you're afraid of recovering. And other people have a difficulty to recognize that an eating disorder is actually harmful for them. Remember, it's that sense of escape from reality and being safe with that temporary relief of taking the food out of you or controlling how much you actually eat in the first place, restricting. 
And of course, it's a great sign if you are considering recovering. But if you aren't yet, I think even listening to these podcasts, I truly believe that you listening is a good sign because you're at least getting a different mindset about eating disorders. So if you have an eating disorder and you're not wanting to heal, try and just listen to these podcasts or try to even send this to a friend, especially the other podcast about how to support someone that has an eating disorder. Because you may not be ready, but if you just try to ask yourself questions like, what have I noticed has changed in my life? That is such an important question. It may be simple, straightforward, but as I asked myself that, I and write it down if you have to, you can grow a list of everything that now that you've put a conscious effort into thinking about, you may not have noticed everything that has changed. And maybe the more your list grows and you realize that I'm changing and I'm losing myself and I'm losing any sense of happiness and love, then that may help inspire you. And truly, I believe someplace in your heart, you do know that something is up. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this. So take that as a really powerful and strong thing, because the first step to recovery is acknowledging that there's something to be changed. And yes, I know hearing recovery is a very scary thing, but it is so, so worth it. And that's why I want everyone to share their eating disorder stories so we can see on the other end just how important it is to share our vulnerable sides for everyone to know that they're not alone and to believe in their strength. It is very common for people to be ambivalent about wanting to recover or not wanting to recover. So don't take that as a downfall that you're unsure. Of course, it is so understandable why you are unsure. I was so unsure. I was afraid of my body getting bigger, but then I was also afraid of the way that I was feeling. Like, is it just going to get worse? Am I going to be weak forever? Am I going to constantly feel these heart and stomach pains? And notice that in both of those examples, I was driven by fear. And that's why I think it's really important to try to think with love. What do we want for ourselves? Self-love again, here we go. That's why we love self-love. We don't want to be driven by fear because in both of those scenarios, I was afraid of the outcome. And in the moments as well, I was led with guilt and shame. None of that sounds exciting. None of that sounds fun. And I'm the one that can change that. So just because you're not 100% ready to recover, that does not mean that you can't. And I don't want you to be afraid of that either in the sense that because you're in this, you know, mixed emotions of wanting to heal and not, that you hear that there's a chance that I can recover, that you run away from even that idea. I understand why you feel that way. However, Once I overcame that obstacle and just gave it a chance, gave myself a chance and focused more on bettering myself after reflecting and realizing everything that I've lost and what I've become, just an anxious, reactive, unhappy person, I decided that I don't want to feel like this anymore. I didn't want to feel the body pains. I didn't want to feel so unhappy and hateful against myself. And these are all things that I am feeling, that I'm even bringing upon myself. So it was also up to me to change how I was feeling. And self-love is hard to grow and recovery is 
a process, but trust the process. I've used this example before, but think of a loved one that you have. If they felt the same way about themselves as you do with yourself and they were taking part of these same unhealthy, unhelpful habits that you do, how would that make you feel? You probably think the world of them and seeing them hurt themselves would hurt you. You would want to help them and you would probably be thinking that it's insane how they're seeing themselves because you see them with such love and kindness and respect. So I want you to try to remember that it's the same with you. These roles reversed how you were thinking about a loved one that you probably see the world of. It is the same with you and they would want to help you. You do deserve to recover. So it will be hard and yes, there will be mixed feelings about wanting to recover. But really reflect and try to reprioritize on what it is that you were giving more importance to. And put your health and well-being first. It's not going to be easy, but it is so much worth it on the other end. And I know that you can do it. Okay, and for our last myth of today, we have if someone has an eating disorder and they say they're fine, it means they're fine. I'm sure we've all had some sort of experience with that where we've said, no, I'm fine. It's just my metabolism. Oh, no, I just eat a lot and I exercise a shit ton so yeah yeah I'm fine I'm fine so if someone is saying this to you or maybe you are that person that is saying you are fine and maybe you're telling yourself that you were fine don't just believe it try not to lie to yourself if you're not fine that's okay and you can say that you're not fine try and get that help and it also comes down to self-awareness too so maybe you're not lying to yourself you actually believe that you're fine and You may even think you're in a better place because you're skinnier, but that's when it comes down to, again, reflection, self-reflection. What has changed? How are you feeling? Ask yourself, how are you feeling? Are you in a good space? Are you feeling more reactive to things? Because holy moly, did I get reactive and just so anxious and unsure of myself all the time. I didn't trust anything. I didn't trust anyone. I only trusted my eating disorder, which was the wrong person or the wrong thing to trust so maybe you truly believe that you were fine but but if you did then I'm sure my podcast would be very irritating for you because you don't see a problem with all that I say and then maybe on the other side you are saying that you were fine but you're just in a denial phase and I definitely went through the denial phase but this is why I'm here to share my stories with you and what I've learned to help you because I just wish that I knew someone that had experience because yeah I mean I guess everything that I've learned along the way has just come from experimenting different things and seeing what ended up being helpful for me so I try to share this all with you so you don't have to go searching in too many places because yeah I just I felt like there was nothing on the internet on how to heal exactly or at least in the the depth that gave me proper guidance so it's like that that meme. Do you remember the one? It's like when you say that you're fine, you're not actually fine. And it's to the Say Something piano song. Hold on, I'll find it. Oh my gosh, I found it. I'm so excited to play this. I forgot about this meme. It's so good, isn't it? I should probably play it first and then I'll continue with what I was going to say. Okay, you ready? They ask you how you are. You just have to say that you're fine. When you're not really fine, you just can't get into it because they would never understand. They would never understand. So you just say you're fine. Ah. <sighs> 
It is true. Thank you, Katy Perry. I had no idea she was the one that said that until I Googled it right now. I, I found it by typing when you say you're fine, but you're not actually fine. And it was the first result. Anyways, if, it, if you haven't heard that before, that that's a really funny meme that I enjoy. But the point is that we truly do think sometimes that there's no help out there. And so you just say you're fine to make it easier. On the other hand, maybe you're saying you're fine because you're afraid of treatment and you're afraid of losing your eating disorder and you're afraid of your body changing. I certainly was. But that's when it really comes down to just looking and reflecting and acknowledging that there is something up. So as hard as it is and as hard as it may be to admit that eating disorders aren't actually helping you. I want to be here for you and to give you that support to know that like I had these same feelings and now I'm here sharing everything that I've learned to hopefully give you a different insight yourself. And when I was at the stage of thinking that my eating disorder was helpful for me, a podcast like this would have triggered the hell out of me. And I would have been like, you know jack shit, I've got into a skinnier place, so you're wrong. That's, I mean, I probably would have thought something like that. I wouldn't have yelled at the podcaster, but I do understand where someone like that may be coming from. But we're trying to, and and for the ones that listen to this and are starting to have a different insight, maybe you're just listening, maybe you are getting a bit triggered, but you're taking in what I'm saying, then brava to you. That is awesome. You go, girl and guy and, and they and them. You go, all of you. But the point of me sharing all of my experiences and just like, even like facts like this, like the myths versus facts, is to spread knowledge that... I wish that I knew when I was struggling because I truly want you guys to feel like you aren't alone and that there there is support out there. And so for the people that have gone out and told someone, oh my gosh, I mean, told someone that you have an eating disorder, I could not be more happy for you. And I truly hope that this is the beginning of a new life for you. And I got the biggest smile on my face right now because I remember what it was like after telling someone and I just... I hope it felt as good for you as it had for me. And I can't wait to hear about the rest of your journey. Seriously, keep up your amazing and inspiring work. I hope other people that listen will take some of that and get keen for that listener episode coming up and want to bring it into their own life. It is truly such a heartwarming feeling and I cannot wait for you to feel it, if not already. And that's the end of our myths versus facts for today. So to summarize all of our fake news, I will quickly repeat the 11 myths. So number one is that eating disorders are a lifestyle choice and they are not serious. Not true. Number two is that EDs are eating disorders. I have to say EDs on TikTok, by the way. That's why if you ever hear me say ED, it's thanks to TikTok because everything is community guidelines over there. We love TikTok, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Point number two. Eating disorders are a cry for attention. Wrong. Number three is that eating disorders affects everyone. The myth was that eating disorders only affect certain people, which we have established is not true. Uh, Number four is that once you have an eating disorder, you cannot recover. No. I hope you are too, but like, for example, I'm living proof that you can and we are getting you there too, or hopefully you're already there. Point number five is that 
Eating disorders do not affect overweight people. Uh, no. No, no, no. Not true. Number six is that dieting is considered just a completely normal thing. Mm -mm. Depends on the extent. Number seven is that bulimia equals you are weak, which is a hell to the no. You are wrong. Number eight is that eating disorders is just about food, nothing else, not about self-worth or anything like that, which we know is not true. Number nine is that eating disorders are caused and at fault of the media, which is not true. And number 10 is that you cannot recover if you don't want to. Also not true. And our lovely number 11 is that if you say that you're fine, you're not actually fine and you don't I don't know the rest of it, but just because someone says they're fine, it does not necessarily mean they are fine. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to today's episode. As always, we're going to say a quick and warm hello to the people from around the world. So hello to Colombia. Hello to Israel. Hello to Sweden. And hello to New Zealand. And I feel like I never said hello to Australia because that's where I'm from. And then also um, America. It's all over America. It's crazy. Hello, everyone. I think there's more people in America than Australia. So I almost said bonjour. That would have been ridiculous. Um, Hello. Love you all. And it's so cool to see that people from all around the world can come together into a safe space and feel heard and supported. That's what we're going for. Yay. So hello to all you wonderful people. Keep up the self-reflection. Keep up your will to change or at least listen to how other people have changed to hopefully bring that into your own life and keep being amazing. If you're here and you're listening to these, I'm sure that you're listening for some sort of reason. And for that, I'm so happy because change comes down to you and you only. You can have the outside supports, but you are the one that is going to action these in your life. And I'm so, so, so excited. Oh my gosh, I hope you like my my singing recently. I feel like I should go to like singing lessons so then one day you're hearing all my jibber jabber singing and then one day I just like opera belt the heck out of an episode and you can be happy and excited about it. I don't know. And maybe try to set up a concert or something. I don't know. Also, if you want to fact check me, head to National Eating Disorders Collaboration and the Inside Out Institution. Thank you. I speak the truth, okay? Anyways, I love you all. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you're excited for next week's episode. As a little sneak peek, we have a special guest coming on. Can you guess who? Can you? Can you? So get keen for that. I'm so proud of you all. And remember to eat with Ali. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.